him. Let's read a little bit in uh, Daniel chapter 2. And uh, last week I kind of read a huge chunk of scripture, and then I went back and kind of dissected it. We're going to do a little bit of that again uh, this week, and then we'll kind of back up and, and cover it. So Daniel chapter 2. Uh, New Living Translation. I'll go ahead and start reading and and we'll catch up on the screen. Uh, One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, Long live the king, you the man. Tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. You don't tell me what my dream was, and what it, if you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. So when the king says he was disturbed by the dream and that it was causing him a lack of sleep, you know, it's a pretty severe response. I think we can take his word for it. He was pretty troubled. That's a pretty, well, it's a pretty dramatic response. I'm not saying it's appropriate. It's a, it's a bit dramatic. Uh, verse 6. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream And then we'll tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know you can tell me what it means. At this point, all of his astrologers and sorcerers are going, oh, darn, that's exactly what I was doing. You know, anyone can kind of make something up, but king had pretty big demand there the astrologers replied to the king no one on earth can tell the king his dream and no king however great and powerful has ever asked such a thing of any magician enchanter or astrologer the king's demand is impossible no one except the gods can tell you your dream and they do not live here among the people the king was furious when he heard this and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. We're going to go ahead and pause right there. So just to kind of recap a little bit from last week, the Lord allowed Judah to be conquered. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, took over. And and in doing so in, in bringing the spoils of victory back to Babylon, he did so with some of the finest young men to mold them into leaders. To mold them and to take their identity and to mold them the way that he wanted them to be. Last week, in examining Daniel, we talked about that uh, the effort to, to make Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego what, what the, the king wanted them to be even to the point of giving them names, taking away their names, that all this change was being thrust upon them. But in the midst of all the change, we and Daniel 
we have a choice. We have a choice what we allow to go into us. And we have a choice what we allow the Lord to bring out from us. Now Daniel manifested that that choice in saying, I, I choose not to receive the, the king's table, the wine and the meats and the finest foods. And Daniel, we see throughout this book, is a man of integrity and righteousness and fearless before the Lord. Fearless of man. What does that mean? You know, that doesn't mean, you know, someone's going to beat the tar out of us. That's not that kind of fear. Sometimes we're so quick to want to please people, to gain approval, to to be thought of being cool or smart or talented or or handsome or pretty or acceptable by this world. When all all the world wants to do is set forth a, a false standard and say, "Hey, if you if you can verge to this, if you can be transformed into this, you will be all those things. You'll get my approval." I'll think you're pretty. If you weigh a buck oh nine, you're gorgeous. And of course, I'll airbrush you a bunch because you can't look like you really look. And if you do this, this is how I'll tag you uh, successful. There's a certain amount you got to make, there's a certain vehicle you got to drive, and there's certain things you got to do, and then you will have my acceptance, by golly. We are not to fear man, we are not to be consumed with. Be unpleasing to men, but being pleasing to our Lord. Daniel's an awesome book. So I, I am encouraged. Um, talking to Melody this week, she's like, "I found something in in, in Daniel chapter one that that you didn't that you didn't see. Let's go over it." And we kind of went over it, and it was very cool because she found something, and I'm like, "That's exactly right. That was awesome." So I encourage you guys dig into Daniel. It's it's a great ch- uh, book of the Bible. The king replied when the magicians and the astrologers in verse 8 were saying, well, you tell us, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. The king was right when he said, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time. You're stalling for time. Hey, I know, I know what you're doing. You're just trying to BS me. And, and, and people know when they're being BSed. BS stands for beautifully scammed. When they're being beautifully scammed, they know they're being beautifully scammed. But you know what also? I believe the truth resonates with people too. When we bring forth the truth of the truth of Jesus Christ, that resonates. Truth resonates. The king's demand is impossible. No one can tell us what what the king's dream was. Not even the gods. And they don't live among us. But we know that to be untrue. Not only does our God live here among us, He lives in us. Our God is not just an icon to be, to have His wrath and His fury satisfied. But He includes us in His plan. And desires relationship with us. And he lives with us. In looking at, Lord, what what do you have for me each day? 
when we go to work, when we go into our neighborhoods. God truly will lead us and guide us and direct us. God wants us to have relationship. God wants us to be uh, involved and, and effective and impacting. But not at the point of selling out. Not at the point of compromising who Christ has made us to be. So let's, let's pull up verse... Uh, Amy, let's do like verse 14. Yeah, there you go. That works right there. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Let's, let's pause right there. And this is, this is, when we read this and not just fly through it, but when we pause and look and say, okay, Lord, make this come alive to me. How, how amazing is this? How many times do we, are we afraid to ask for things? Are we afraid to question things? Well, you know, it is what it is. This is the lot I've been dealt. This is the hand I've been dealt. I'll go with it. I love the fact that when Ariot came to Daniel, that Daniel's response was not one of fear, fearless. But it also wasn't one of defiance or indignance. It was one that he handled. What's, what's the word that it used there? In verse 13. Wisdom and discretion. Daniel responded with wisdom and discretion. Daniel, there was a sensitivity. I, I could even see Daniel like this, like, Ariok, man, this is this is a rough, this is a rough spot you're in. Come on, come on over here, have a seat. Let's talk. Have a seat, buddy. Tell me all about it. You, you need something to drink. Hold on, let me get you something to drink. Ariok, this is a tough spot you've been put in. I, I'm with you, man. What can I do to help? And by the way, how's Ashpenaz? Chief of staff. He handled the situation with confidence. We can be confident. When our eyes are set on Christ, we can be confident. So here comes a guy coming to kill him, and he goes, what? He's like, well, tell me, tell me, why such a harsh reaction from the king? You guys realize there is such power in a, in a well-placed question? In a well-placed question. Too many times we're so busy talking, we don't sit there and listen anyways. But if we care enough to ask and be led by the Holy Spirit and ask good questions, man, you can just sit and let people talk. And then you sit there and listen to the Holy Spirit and you can minister to them. So Daniel had a great question. Hey, what brought this about? Why, why is the king responding in such a harsh way? So what does Ariok do? He tells him. He's, he's, he sits there and says... Well, let me tell you all about it. In the midst of a stress, stressful situation, how many times do we, do we respond with wisdom and with sensitivity? That's what we're called to do. And we can do that when we walk in confidence because we're fearless. We fear, our, we fear our God, but we don't fear man. 
favor of God. When we grasp the fact that we walk in the unmerited, abundant favor of God, life is an amazing life. And we truly can be fearless. When we're fearful, what do we walk in? That's fear is one of them. You guys are really sharp. We walk in fear. What else? Insecurity. We're apprehensive. When we walk in fear, our insecurities and our apprehensions override the opportunities God has for us. I want to say it again. When we walk in fear and insecurity, those things override the opportunity that God set before us. Looking at this passage, this is amazing. Look at, Arioch's life was changed because of Daniel's confidence in knowing who he was in Christ Jesus. Arioch walks in with one purpose. There's going to be some bloodshed. I've got to carry out a command from the king. And immediately he's greeted by something different, something astounding, a confidence and a concern and a care for me. Wait a second, you're in the midst of, of a life and death situation and you care about me? You care enough to, to ask and... I'm trying to personalize this for each one of us. If we're so busy with the things going on in our, with our life and death situations... What opportunities are we missing to minister to those who God brings across our path? So it says in verse 16, Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. I think there's just, this is, you'll see interesting honor that Daniel has shown. So he meets with with the muscle and gets the scoop. So Daniel, instead of saying, hey, can you go back to the king uh, and tell him we want more time? What does Daniel do? He goes straight to the king himself. Why does he do that? Here's what I believe. I believe that there was a discernment saying, you know what, the king's already been fed a, you know, a line of bull. And he already knows that that we're acting fearfully. And so for me to send him back with this message, that's just Biden time. Let me go straight. Let me go straight to the king. Let me go straight to the king who's issued a decree that we be killed. Let me go straight to the king. Daniel went once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who are... That's right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Went back to tell his friends what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secrets so that they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Okay, two things. First off, based on this passage, can we ascertain what the king's response was when Daniel went to him? When Daniel went back and asked for more time, can we can we go ahead and I mean we can pick up what King's response was, right? Okay, you got it. You got a little more time. Don't disappoint me. <laughs> but the king replied with more 
grace, with more time. When we walk in the favor of God, we should not be afraid to ask for things. We should not be afraid to ask for things that even go against what we should be asking for. I know you already said that this is the way it was, but I'm, I'm asking you if you'll, if you'll go against that. Just give me a little more time. Or whatever it is. Okay. Then later on they're like, why did I say okay? I don't know why I said okay, but I guess I got to do it because I said okay. People say okay because of the favor of God is upon our lives. We ask for stuff, we get stuff. Why? Because we're favored. Because we're the king's kid. Period. We shouldn't be afraid to ask for stuff. The second thing, as soon as Daniel got back, what, what did he do? As soon as he gets back, what does he do? He went, he went to his homeboys and he said, okay, will you guys, will you guys pray? I mean, your life's on the line and all, so it's a pretty good idea to be praying. You should be praying already. But would you be praying that God gives us the interpretation? You know, um, last week I talked about that Daniel made the decision to reject the king's table. Do you remember that? God didn't tell him to. He wasn't doing it out of obedience. He made that decision. And I made the comment that, that sometimes as Christians we're paralyzed by prayer. That we don't have to pray over everything. When we have the heart of God, we don't have to pray over everything. We can just respond. I think here's the difference. When we know our God, we see. We see. We see His goodness. We see His work. We see His direction. We see His opportunity. We see. And so we respond. We can just walk into it and go, oh, I don't got to pray about this. I see what my God has opened up before me. I see what He's doing. Uh, I use the facetious example of, you know, ministry. You know, someone hurting there and going, Lord, should I pray? You know, Lord, should I minister to this person? No, because we see the opportunity. And so we go, oh, Lord, you've already got it? Yeah. We've got to be able to see. Our eyes have to be open. But in this situation, Daniel needed to what? He needed to hear. He needed to hear from God. In our lives, we can walk in confidence knowing who we are and who our God is in us and that He desires to talk to us and open doors. And we see those things and we can just walk in it. But church, there are so many times that we need to hear from God. And during that time, we better be on our knees. We better be on our face before the Lord saying, God, I need to hear from you. Lord, I need to hear from you. I need direction. Lord, I need clarification. Lord, I I need to hear from you. Does that make sense? Is that a, a, a pretty good... We can see the things he's walking in and know in his heart. There's times we can just res- respond to it and respond to the Holy Spirit. But when we need to hear from God, we better be praying. We better get our closest friends praying too. Hey, you guys, can you uh, be praying? That would be great. In that time, in those times when we need to hear from Him, be, be patient enough to wait on Him to speak, to reply. When we come to Him in prayer needing to hear from Him, 
eyes wide open to see what he's opening, what he's doing. You're looking for all the ways that he wants to speak, listening. Friends, let's be patient enough to hear from him. He's not withholding his voice from us. He wants to speak to us. He'll use a variety of things to speak to us. He'll use his word. He'll speak to us directly. He'll use someone else. Heck, I mean, I, I can't tell you that. I mean, I've had people call me. I was praying this today, and I turned on the radio to a country station. I heard a country song, and it said this. Do you think that was God? And I'm like, yep, that was God. God can use country songs. God can use 80s funk and disco as well. <laughs> Amen. Hmm. So let's go ahead and continue in Daniel. That night, through prayer, seeking the Lord, the dream was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So Daniel received the vision. And he praised the God of heaven. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever. For he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what uh, asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of this dream. All too often, when we come to the Lord in prayer, and we ask him, Lord, I need an answer. I need to hear from you. And he answers and he speaks to us and he gives it to us. All too often our response is this, whoo, that was close. Oh, thank God. Man, I barely made it out of that one. Thanks, Lord. And then we go about our way. Whew, that was close. Almost didn't make that one. Let's look at this passage and let's, let's follow the example of this godly man. As excited as he was to have been given the dream and the interpretation of the dream, he was more excited about first doing what? Praising God. And what great, wonderful, expressive words he uses to praise our God. Go back and read those. Read those as you're studying this passage this week. Read what the words he uses in praise and then measure it against what the dream was, the the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and the interpretation of it. So measure Daniel's response and praise to the Lord against this dream. It's really cool. I mean, but Daniel takes the time to give God thanks. All too often, we just move too quickly to the next thing without going, oh, no, no, it's party time. It's celebration time because I called out to my Lord and he responded in splendor and power and awesomeness. Is awesomeness a word? Awesomeness is a word, right? It better be a word. <laughs> Wrote this down. Here's a thought. 
if we spontaneously wrote or sang expressive praise to God after he answered our prayer, I bet we'd be a whole lot less likely to forget what he's done for us. If we took the time after he has saved the day and come through, if we took the time to express our love and appreciation and thankfulness to him, we write it out, we write a song, we paint him a painting. We write him a love note and stick it on our fridge or whatever. But if we took the time to, to to really express it, I doubt we'd forget so quickly. And, and we do forget so quickly. We absolutely do forget so quickly. That's good. That one's really good. That one's free. And it's good. So Daniel went to see Arioch, the king who had ordered the wise men of Babylon to be executed. I love the respect that he now shows to Arioch, the, the, the guard, the, the man who's calling, who'd been carrying out the king's commands. Daniel then shows him enough respect to say, hey, Take me to the king. Even though Daniel clearly has free passageway to and from the king, right? He clearly has that type of relationship that he can go to the king because we saw it before. He went straight to the king and said, can we have more time? But look at the honor he shows Arioch in this. Hey, take us to the king. You've got a job to do. We respect the job you've got to do. And your job's not always easy. Take us to the king because God has given me the dream and the vision. Why don't you come along? Come along. I want, you, I want you to be a part. I want you to see what God's doing. The things that stood out to me in this passage, number, number one, respect. All we see, Daniel handled this situation with courtesy, with confidence, with wisdom. And when God came through, he includes this guy so that God, hey, do I want God to be glorified in front of one man? Or do I want God to be glorified in front of three men? Do I want God to be glorified in front of a small group? Or do I want God to be glorified in front of the world? Give me the bigger crowd. Let God be glorified to all mankind. When we're digging this week, look through that and see what the Holy Spirit gives you. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome that Daniel includes Arioch in this. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. So no, I, you asked me if I did this. No, I, I, I didn't. There's not a single guy that can do this. No. D- no. Did I, did I do this? No. I, no. No. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now, I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay in your bed. 
While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Oh my gosh! Lord, let's just take a second and pray. Lord, let us be that quick to give you praise, to give you glory, to give you credit, to shun anything that is not ours, but only yours, O King. How amazing was his response. Okay, please don't have wasted my time. You got my interpretation? Oh, no. No, I don't. No man can do it, King. But my God can. But my God can. Why am Talk about being fearless. Talk about having no desire for man's affection. Oh, I don't need to be praised by you, O King. I got my God's affection. I don't need your admiration. I, I appreciate it. It's sweet. But I have my I have the King of Kings affection. I have the King who establishes kingdoms. I have his affection. I have his attention. He speaks to me. He answers my prayers. He's there for me. This whole series is about being fearless. It's about not craving the affection and the, and the admiration of men above our God. What an incredible example this is. Let's back up a couple of verses, Amy. But there's a God in heaven who reveals secrets and, the, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay in your bed. So now he's starting, right? He's like, okay, so now I'll go ahead and tell you. While your majesty was sleeping, now bear with me. He's like, now I'll tell you, right? He's like, okay, so now I'll tell you what it means. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. Okay, let's pause. He already said, I'm going to tell you the dream, right? But this is the coolest insertion of ministry that I've seen in a long time. The king has a a request. The dream troubled him. It caused him sleeplessness. It caused such a dramatic response in him that he was willing to kill people. He was so desperate to find out what the meaning of this dream was, right? And and not wanting to be conned, not wanting to be duped, he said the only way for me to truly know, but what he wants is the meaning of this dream, right? The only way for him to truly know the meaning of this dream is if someone could also tell me what the dream was because then I know I'm not being duped. I'm not being sweet-talked. I'm not being lied to or, or... Right? So Daniel starts, but then look at verse 30. And it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God loves you so much. God cares about you, King. He cares about those things that bother you. He cares about those things that trouble you. He loves you. And He cares enough that that He's revealed the dream and the interpretation because He loves you. 
Because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. He is there to minister to the king. He's there to point the king to God who cares about him. Imagine how excited you'd be if you were in Daniel's shoes and God gave you the dream and gave you the interpretation. I mean, exciting, right? It's exciting. My God spoke to me and now I get to go tell the king so that God can be glorified. I could just see that, that, that walk you know, to the king and God says, hey, before you share everything, let him know I care about him. Let him know the reason I gave this to you is because I care about him. I, I care about what's going on in his heart. Our God loves us that much. He cares about what's going on in our hearts. He cares what's going on in our lives. And He wants us to, to be reflective of that love for the people around us. I'm, I'm, I'm stopping right here. You can read the rest. You need to read the rest. What, what's, what's the end result? Daniel lays it out there. God nails it. God nails it. God gives Daniel what the dream was. And then God gives Daniel what the interpretation was. And let me go ahead and throw it out there. Neither the dream nor the interpretation were very flattering to the king. But when you read it, look at the response of the king. Even though the dream was not flattering to the king. As a matter of fact, it says, uh, your kingdom will fail. Um, it'll be replaced by an inferior kingdom, which will be replaced by another inferior kingdom. And above all, God will be glorified and he'll establish his kingdom. I mean, I'm kind of cliff note noting it for you there. Not flattering to the king at all. The king's response? To heap glory and praise and blessing upon Daniel, who of course Daniel's deferring it to the Lord. Fearless. Fearless. We've got something to say that, that might be offensive to them. Good word today, Rich. We've got a word to say and to share and to minister to a world that might be a little offensive to them. Because it's very, it's very, it's very single-minded in the fact that we say Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. There's one way. I was born in 1970, so I remember the 70s and driving down the street, and my dad would see a, a bumper sticker. There used to be bumper stickers called One Way, and. You know, it had like they normally had this right here, like number one. It was one way. They say one way, and what that means is there's one way to heaven, there's one way to salvation, there's one way to life eternal. Not many ways, not infinite ways. There's one way. That's Jesus Christ. So Dad would honk, 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 and he'd he'd give him the finger, but it was a good finger. It was you know he'd give him the good finger, the number one, the one way, and then someone else would 
stick their hand out one way. There's one way. And for some, that's an offensive message because it's like, well, what about my way? Hey, you know, I, this is not a, a slam on you. It's a, I'm giving you the truth. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. You guys, we can't, we can't minister Jesus if we have a fear of man. We can't minister to people's needs if we're afraid to say Jesus instead of just God. Hey, when we're talking about our God, we need to say Jesus. Because we say God, it could mean, oh, that's awesome. Thank you, God. You know, because for some people, anything's God. This is God. I am God. My kids are God. The tree is God. Now, Jesus. Jesus. Fired up now. See, this this is the, the rough thing about preaching is I'm done and I won't be able to sleep for hours. And people are going to bed, I, you know. We need to be fearless. Fearless of men. But yet we still have to love them with the fullness of the love of our God. Isn't that interesting? We're not supposed to crave their affection, but we're supposed to come to them with the affection of our Father who sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for them? But yet we don't crave their affection, but we're bringing the fullness of the affection of our Father. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that the coolest? I think that's amazing. How do we do that? We set our eyes on Jesus. We seek Him. We spend time with Him. We, Friends, pl- please, please tell me you're not waiting for Daniel 3 next week from me when you can read Daniel 3 the minute we're done. Please have the courtesy of not reading Daniel 3 quite yet. Please tell me you didn't wait for Daniel 2 um, after I gave you Daniel 1 last week. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Invite him to be part of our day. Amy's challenge. Invite him to speak to us and then listen. See, we're, we're being trained up. This is, this is an equipping. This is an equipping. I'm doing my part in equipping you to hit these streets and to hit this city and to hit this area with the fullness of God's love and the confidence of who we are in Christ Jesus. This is equipping. So let's let Him equip us. Let's let Him sharpen us and grow us. Amen?